I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of Macho Man Randy Savage, of Steve Kerr, and of the Pac-12, and the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. Offer a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. A bundle! Get that bundle. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack, nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hill's Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. Another week, another episode going through all of the Pac-12 non-conference games. I am joined by Rob Barron, who just previewed Ball State. Rob, are you going any deeper down there in, uh, in sharp college football? Ball State seems to be like the cutoff, maybe? No, so I've got, I mean, that puts me with eight more teams to do. Uh, in the previews and that'll give me an even 50 out of 130. And then I got to sit down and uh, really just start doing preview videos for conferences. And I'll, I'll probably try to line up some guests either in analytics or, you know, people that cover the conferences to, to come in and help me preview the conferences as we come into the season. Nice. Sharpcollegefootball.com and our YouTube page, page sharp college football uh another shout out by the way to our friend uh i think it's called the coordinator project um our friend burke who's done some of the podcasts and did some really fun breakdowns uh that you can go back and look at some of the schemes that pac-12 coordinators are doing and he has a great project on youtube called the coordinator project um lots of good stuff there and of course sharp college football's youtube page where rob is just cranking through um and and you've got you've gotten a lot of fun people to to join the party so Definitely stay tuned for that as we continue to go through all college football, not just the Pac-12, but we are just covering the Pac-12 here on 12-Pack Radio. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, etc., and you can follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio. And write a review. I, I'm going to start threatening um, to to reading reviews on this podcast if you if y'all don't get to that now. So please don't let me open with 20 minutes of reviews like almost every other podcast does. Uh, with all that said, Rob, let's get into it. We have lots of uh, lots of fun non-conference games to cover today. We're getting into Utah and a couple other teams. So I know we have a lot of Utah fans that have been waiting for this. And then we also have some interesting news on the uh, on the Pac-12 front in general. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's, let should we, should we start with the pro football focus list of QBs? Yeah, you know, and okay. So, so here, here's my thing, Rob, with, with pro football focus, it seems like they're getting a little better at stuff because yeah. when you first told me, Oh, the pro football focus guys came out with a, a quarterback rating. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's like, 
is Jane Daniels going to be like number three? Are they going to? I feel like they've just been. Um, in the past, they were really good at pro stuff, and you could tell that they were dipping their toe in the college waters. But I, I took a look at some of the names, like you had mentioned, and we talked about this before the podcast. This seems way more realistic and accurate, and it seems like they're really breaking down film, which is great. Yeah, and and just some quick things to remember about <clears throat> pro football focus numbers. So they are they are grading essentially the outcomes during a play and the player's performance in it, but it's not adjusted for opponent. Ah, okay. In their grade. So that's where sometimes you'll be like, wait a minute, like this seems really high for this particular player. Um, you know, it may be that it's not, it's not opponent adjusted terribly well, but it's there. I I do find their numbers pretty interesting and it's there. And like I said, like there, there is some grain of salt with these numbers, but, um, I don't think that I honestly don't think they're that far off for what, what is suddenly, and we, we've talked about this. It's just, it's not a really exciting year in the Pac-12 for QBs. How dare um, you? How I dare mean, you? Not, I mean, like, but at the conference of QBs, as they used to call it, right? Like, um, it just, it's, there's just not, it's, there's just not a lot of depth. Tristan <laughs> there's, not of, there's not a lot of headline and there's not a lot of depth. Say, so, Tristan Jebbia is putting this podcast on his locker room right now. He's going to show you, Rob. <laughs> Chance Nolan, too. He's, he's enamored. Well, he better show up PFF first because they had him at 74. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope he we hope he does. Actually, that makes me feel better. I know we get back and forth with Hifliday on uh, Jebbia. And so um, I like to know that Pro Football Focus is is, uh, is on my side on that one. But I hope he does really well. It'd be awesome if he really turns the corner. and Because uh, that, that Oregon State offense, of course, would be awesome with uh, with a really good quarterback. We saw what happened when Luton was there. Um but I, I'm so I've I pulled this up here. How about you go through the highlights here? I, you know, one of the things that's interesting, you know, Oklahoma Spencer Rattler is number one. We're, we're going to talk about the uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks, of course. But, Rob, one thing to mention is on Baderank, I mean, you're really high in Oklahoma. And it yeah. seems like a lot of other – your model kind of came out. It was one of the first ones that came out with those preseason numbers. And, uh, you know, and I'm all about that. I was excited. I put a little money down on <laughs> Oklahoma's future. And then it seems like some of the other advanced metrics were popping up on that too. So I just thought it was fascinating that Rattler is number one, even though he only had one, you know, one season so far at uh, down in Norman. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time in a while, though, that Lincoln Riley's had a QB returning. He's done, he's done so well. Um, and really been able to adapt his offense to what he's had, you know, in transfer quarterbacks coming in, uh, that said, you know, I think Rattler, you know, and, you know, has an opportunity to take a real big step forward. I think Oklahoma has a chance to put up just gargantuan offensive numbers this year, but then you couple that with the defensive improvement under a name that we know in the PAC 12, Alex Grinch. Um, if that holds up, Oklahoma should be, you know, a very dangerous team this season. You know, another thing that popped up for me was that JT Daniels was like a whole 10 spots below Keaton Slovis. And uh, I think that's fair. It's been interesting. I've been listening to a lot of national podcasts that talk about college football, and a lot of them are really high on Daniels. I watched that bowl game, and I watched some of Georgia while he was in there. He he was the, the same USC <laughs> JT Daniels, just with some better tools and better coaching, I think. So I was kind of excited to see that Slovis was given his due. Even I mean, he had a I think most people, even probably Keaton Slovis, would think that he had a rougher year last year. But even so, he was still probably the best quarterback in the in the conference outside of Davis Mills. And you know, if he really turns it on this year, he could be more. He can be better in the top ten, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some things that they call out, he in particular has to work on. He's he's fantastic with his underneath accuracy, but he's got to work on some of his turnover, you know, what they call a turnover worthy play. Um, and they, you know, he's, he's got to be a little more accurate downfield. Um, but you know, the, he's, I mean, he's, he's a pretty big headliner as far as, you know, the, the, the only pac 12 quarterback in the top 10, um, and actually the only pac 12 quarterback in the top 25. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, like JT Daniels, um, he, he unlocked in a lot of ways, you know, that Georgia offense, which was really struggling. Um, after Jamie Newman opted out to go to go prepare for the pros, but yeah, Daniels. I mean, I I think he's getting another opportunity to take a step forward. But yeah, seeing seeing him, I think graded down here, I think seemed fair. We also have to say, like, I mean, how much practice time did Daniels even get? Yeah. Before before he before George was like, listen, you got to get in there because we've got a guy that's like five six and a walk on. <laughs> he might wear that FedEx hat or UPS or whatever it was, but he's not yeah. very good. <laughs> so, no, that's interesting. And of course, you know, like we'll, we'll joke on some of the college players and stuff and it's all in good fun. Just we, I really, I mean, I hope JT Daniels is awesome. I hope Caden Slovis is awesome. I mean, it is just so difficult and there's so much pressure to be a college quarterback. It's the most important position. Uh, I would argue in sports period. And um, so it, I'm just excited that we do have one uh, at the top 10. The one interesting thing with Daniels though, Rob was, you know, he did have a tough year last year. And, um, and it seems like Graham Harrell's offense is pretty good, but I, I think he's, for whatever reason, he just strikes me as somebody that is similar to the coach there, the head coach, Clay Helton, where they're pretty good, but I don't know if they're going to break out of that. Um, and I, I, I'm, do you think it has an impact on Slovis as a talent or do you think it was more the Slovis problem that manifested itself in Graham Harrell's offense? I mean, it is tough because I, I do think that Harold, I mean, I think, you know, we've definitely talked about this on the pod before that Harold's, he sort of, he calls run plays to prove a point rather than score points. Um, and that often puts Slovis in some really <laughs> tough positions, right? They run the ball too often, um, you know, given how well they actually run the football. So that Slovis is left with, you know, making up for a pretty lackluster running game that continues to be, you know, a pretty big percentage of your play calls. And that, that I think, you know, it, it, it could hold him back a little bit that, you know, more than you'd expect. I also, I also think Slovis really, I mean, he just needs to learn to get the ball out quicker under pressure. I think he is still, you know, I think he's still holding on the ball a little too much. Okay. A couple other things before we get into all of the PAC 12 quarterbacks here. Um, a couple names that popped up in the top 15 that are going to be facing um, Pac-12 games in their non-conference. So Arkansas State's Lane Hatcher. I think Arkansas State plays Washington, which is interesting. And then we, we did mention Carson Strong in Nevada who plays, I think it was Cal. So two top 15 quarterbacks and programs that are kind of under the radar that uh, popped up in the top 15. So I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, you know, there's there's quarterbacks up and down here that, that everybody knows about. But those names, I just kind of jumped out a little bit. You know, my, uh, I always like betting on the team that has a good quarterback uh, that could at least stay in the game. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm sure Washington's going to crush Arkansas State. But, you know, maybe maybe pound that over if, if you're so inclined, if you think that yeah. defense. I mean, obviously, Washington's secondary is uh, the cure for sure shutting down, you know, a group of five solid quarterbacks. But I just thought that was interesting. Uh, anything else pop for you outside of, uh, you know, the non, you know, Pac-12 quarterbacks? 
I mean, I thought it was interesting that Brock Purdy from Iowa State was all the way down at 17. Um, he certainly got some upside, but like they, <clears throat> I, I think that's pretty fair. I thought it was interesting too that they had Miles Brennan of LSU at number nine. I don't, I don't disagree. I thought Brennan was really good when he was healthy, um, and whether he's able to, whether he's able to stay on the field, you know, it might determine a lot about how LSU does this year. Yeah, well, UCLA doesn't have to go against the defensive wall, Rob. That was the Bo Pelini defense this year. So, <laughs> yeah. strike one against them. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's go into the Pac-12. Uh, who, who else pops up here? You said nobody out, out, uh, nobody else in the top twenty-five. No, no, you have to go all the way down to number twenty-eight, and then I mean, it's 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 Dylan Morris. That's um, that's a take. But it's not, like here's the th- I mean, it I like. 28. I mean, if you're grading on like a one to 65 scale for power five QBs, I mean, 28 is not. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't put Garbers. Wouldn't you put Garbers ahead? Like they had a Cal had a weird year, but he's shown that when he's healthy, he can move that offense. And and I would argue now they have a better offensive coordinator, right? Like I would app. I think that's, I'm curious where he is, but I, I would, I would put a lot of money on, Garber's just being a, a better quarterback at the end of the year than Morris. I mean, I think that's somewhat fair. Um, I do think that, I mean, what they, what they point out about Morris is that he is, he is limited, but he, he plays within himself thus far from what we've seen, you know, and he's, he, I mean, their description of it. I mean, it's not terribly kind. It's a Morris is a pretty limited passer <laughs> and won't provide much in the deep passing game, but he takes exceptional care of the ball elsewhere and doesn't make many mistakes. And I, I think that's somewhat fair, right? I mean, like if you're, I, I don't think of Gar, I can, I don't think of Garbers as a guy that's really loosey goosey with the football, um, but he's going to be asked to do a lot more for Cal than Morris is going to be asked to do for Washington. Um, and I do say, I do think Morris still has some physical talent there too, but I, I mean, I, and I think this is very, very fair to, for all the PAC 12 teams is like, there's a lot less tape from last year on the PAC 12 than nearly any other conference. Some, you know, some teams only got four games. in, So some of these QBs like Morris, I think we may only have four, four games worth of tape in total altogether. Right. And Garbers has, you know, certainly more from the prior year. Yeah. I, w- I would also put Jane Daniels in front of um, Morris. We, we kind of, I, I think sometimes we have a higher expectation of Daniels. So, I think sometimes on the podcast it makes it seem like we're not fans of what he does. I think he's a like he he's he's somebody that's going to move that offense one way or the other, and yeah. somebody that steps up when he needs to step up. And I would put him ahead of uh, ahead of Dylan Morris. Also, I know that that's interesting. Okay, all right. Um, what who, who's next? Who's next on the list? So then we go to thirty-one. Jaden Delora. Yeah, I don't like this list. <laughs> no, I mean, but here's the, like, I mean, cause you are sort of expecting Garbers to come in next. Right. I mean, so yeah. things that I do like about this list versus other lists that you're going to see out there is like, I'm sorry. Like it's a freaking tell. Like if you, if some, it, it's just a tell that people don't know anything about like what the modern quarterback position is in the NFL. If they're putting together a list of like the top college QBs coming into the season, and like Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is near the top of it. Like I, I've seen Ritter in person. It's not, he's, he's, he's just not accuracy wise where you need to be as a modern QB. And you'll see like 
you know, lists of potential first round picks for next year. And it'll be Ritter and Jane Daniels. And it's just, that's not the case. Like those guys are not in that conversation. Now that's not to say that they can't be still decent, good college quarterbacks, but you know, here, like Ritter's about where you'd expect him at number 40. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's, there's a pretty big, you know, gap then again, before you get to another pack 12 QB. And then I think it is Garbers at 59. That's why. That's and bananas. I think that's low. I, I think that's a little too low. Oh yeah. I think he's like, I mean, when you're, when you're ranking him in the pack 12, he's number, is he number two or number three? I mean, I guess we just, we just said that, right. It's Slovis and then probably Garbers or, or Daniels. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I would have Gar, I would have Garbers next. Um, I think that's pretty fair. I also think that like we have not because Washington, I don't, I mean, you, some of it you could put on the offensive coordinator or some of it you might be able to put on Jimmy Lake for, you know, putting pressure on the offensive coordinator, but like, and, and they also, you know, they didn't have like at the great, you know, the world's greatest, like toughest schedule either. Um, you know, for Morris, I think Morris has some upside this season for sure. But I mean, like things that I think are like, I mean, you'll see coming into this year, you'll see people that are like high on Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma state. I think he, I think Spencer Sanders is one of the reasons that Oklahoma state offense struggles and he's graded out at 65. I mean, there's some things you can quibble about in here. Um, Oh, here's a blast from the past 61 Virginia tech Braxton Burmeister. That's been like, Look, I He's hope he still does in college. <laughs> I hope he does really well. You know, he bounced around from Arizona, then to Oregon and man, but we've, we've seen the Braxton Burmeister experience at two different schools now. And yeah. if you're putting Charlie Brewer 10 spot, by the way, we talk about like our Utah fans at the beginning, like Char- Charlie Brewer could be a top four quarterback in the PAC 12. Like, and I wouldn't be surprised at all that. Ludwig- I, mean, I think that's reasonable. I think people, I mean, he was not good at Baylor. That Baylor offense was terrible. That was a, that was driven by um, Matt rules defense, that Baylor team. I think Brewer gets overrated based on some stats on what was a pretty bad offense. Okay. Well, so, I mean, but like, you know, then you get, I mean, he's at 71. You've got Dan, Jaden Daniels at 72 at pro football focus has never particularly loved Jaden Daniels at QB. Um, and I will say they do also factor in his running there, but Daniels gets knocked because he lacks downfield accuracy. Like that's his, that's been his consistent knock with pro football focus. Yeah. But like look, a, perhaps that can change B. Yeah. I mean, like we've seen him move the ball. He can move the ball. <laughs> like, we're not, yeah. you know, you're taking a look well, at some last of these year other he didn't have to. Yeah. Right. I mean, but like, I mean, and also when ASU's on the field, and he's and he's under center and the the away crowd is screaming and like you know getting up and it's third and five like i don't care if he's chucking the ball 50 yards down the field i trust him to make the 10 yard pass like the five yard pass you know i just um i i believe in that guy i think he's really good you know another one that pops yeah, up for me is i think he makes good decisions and i think that's i think that's important right like daniels does not does not put the ball in bad places very often yeah and then you know we've seen anthony brown is he the 79th best quarterback in the country? Like, I thought that was rough. Yeah. I mean, Brown definitely. I mean, like I, but you could, I mean, I, I think you could make the same argument for Brown that you make for Daniels. And that is they, neither of them have great downfield accuracy, but they both make pretty good decisions and give you something with their legs. Oh yeah. No, I, um, 
I'm just curious to see. I'm just looking. At, I don't know. 79th, and in an Oregon offense, that's gonna. I mean, Moorhead's gonna. I know. Just plant up some. You know, if if I would put it even this way, like when you took a look at a uh, a quarterback that was a little ahead of his skis last year, the offense still put up significant points. Like. <laughs> I still think yeah. that Oregon's like offense was still one of the best in the Pac-12 with a quarterback that was making some mistakes. Um, yeah. I mean, Anthony Brown could pop up even more. Here's another one that's interesting. Um, Tanner McKee, like at 99. You know, it'll be interesting. I think Jack West will probably start, and then they'll move over to McKee. But that could be another one that pops up. They, they, they just have tools all over the place on offense. <laughs> Defense is a much bigger problem. But Yeah, I thought that one was – I mean – it is fair. I don't think Jack West lit the world on fire. We didn't really get to see much of McKee. Yeah. I mean, if at all. That said, I and uh, I just previewed Stanford at 50. I mean, the problem with Stanford is not the offense. The problem is the defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think Tavita Pritchard has quietly become one of the better offensive coordinators on the West Coast and in the Pac-12 Uh, And they've totally revamped that Stanford offense. And I think whoever's a quarterback and they've got some good options is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be able to throw, they'll be able to run the ball. So yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, What what are any other names here that pop out? I mean, I'm trying like, I mean, the the ones that are going to like cause, cause some, some heartburn within the pac 12, I would say, you know, Garbers, Daniels, Brewer, you know, and then Anthony Brown at Oregon, you know, um, I don't think, I don't think Morris is far off from where you probably have Morris. And I mean, there's some ones in here that you think, I mean, that are, that are kind of, I mean, there's some interesting names that are a little further down, uh, in here. Um, and then some names a little high. I mean, like Houston's Clayton tune, you know, like I think it'd be pretty good this year, but this is also like, I mean, some of these guys are being graded on purely very limited tape, or potential expectations, right? Yeah, Grant Canel uh, at 39, you know, like we saw four games of him, two games of him before he got Yeah, here. Yeah, and I mean, he was bad, but like how much do you separate that from just the utter collapse at Arizona? You know, like there's, and, and there's still, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, as you start going down the list, there's a lot of slashes in here for places they're not sure who gets to start, right? Um, oh, Rhett Rodriguez at UL Monroe. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he's gonna throw he's like, slash. Yeah, you talk about Jeremy downfield accuracy Hunt. issues. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, oh, and, and lack of arm strength. <laughs> but I mean, I, th- I do think that it is. Well, while there is some argument about the overall grades and things like that, it's, it is not a murderer's row of quarterbacks this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any argument about that. Um, and that, and, and, and it also like no one, I mean, other than, you know, really other than USC, who's been consistently pretty good with Harrell. Um, they haven't been great, but they've been very, uh, pretty good to very good. You know, like there haven't, like there, there's nobody that really, there's nobody that really throws the ball that well in the conference. You know, when you look around, I mean, I, you could say Washington state, I think that will be true um, this next year with Delora, but you know, like it's like you'd suddenly look around and like Arizona states are rushing off, you know, run the football first offense. UCLA is a run. UCLA is run the football and find the tight end, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, um, 
Washington's going to try to run the football at you. Cal seems to want to run football. I mean, Colorado, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. yeah, Like you suddenly turn around and like, it's, it may not be that the PAC 12, it may not be that the PAC 12 needs a lot of the, you know, great quarterback play this next year. A lot of these teams, cause they're not going to be asking a lot from the QBs, but it feels like just a sea change from a couple of years ago when you had, you know, some guys, like if you looked across the PAC 12, you could, you know, you could, you could, you could find a couple guys that were going to be talked about it as potential, you know, first or second round picks in the league and, you know, guys that were going to put up some big numbers and it, it just doesn't feel like that this year. I was bummed that Stanford didn't have the full season because I thought Davis Mills, I mean, obviously he was taken in the third yeah. round, but I don't think a lot of people saw why. And if he was able to chuck the ball a little bit around, it would have been nice to see what he would do in a full season. And But alas, he is gone. And uh, hopefully yep. Tanner McKee or J- – I don't think Jack West is going to be the guy that's going to do that. But if Tanner McKee is able to beat him out, uh, could possibly be – I mean, people forget, blue chip player, went on his LDS mission. He's back. And I think he was like a top five quarterback uh, out of his class. Yeah, yeah he was. Yep. Um, and now he has some tools. And I think the offensive line is better which is something that we haven't been able to say for a while. I thought they played pretty well last year, all things considered in their four games and practicing in public parks in Seattle, Washington. So, you know, I, yeah. I just think that there, there could be a little bit there, but, uh, and, and you know, DTR at, at 85. And I, you know, the, the other thing with him is if he just doesn't turn the ball, like, and we've talked about this before, but he, got, he was better at it last year. You know, if he, if he turns that knob down another 25%, you know, he's somebody that can land in the top 50 and that might be enough to get UCLA to a bowl. So, um, yeah. maybe I, I, maybe, <laughs> but still, you know, like it's in with the, within the realm of possibility, given, uh, all that they were able to accomplish last year. Yeah. I mean, I really do think that there's some guys on here that you can, you, I mean, this is, this is obviously a lot of projection right here. I mean, you know, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, there are some guys in here you're going to look at and say, Oh, we got a lot of tape on that guy. Like, so, you know, this is, this probably isn't going to move a ton, but I mean, I think JT Daniels could end up towards the top, you know, maybe not in the top 10, but at least in the top 15. Um, you know, there are guys that we haven't seen hardly at all, like CJ Stroud at Ohio state who is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like I would almost just put him in the top five, like that right. offense is disgusting. I mean, yeah, cause like, you know, I mean, it's not that, I mean, Ryan day does ask you, it's not like Ryan Day is just like here, sit behind my amazing zone, you know, zone running attack. You know, one of the most one of the most sophisticated zone running attacks and best executed ones in college football, and just do whatever. Like he's got a a deep, a, you know, a, a deep passing game based on option routes that the quarterback really has to figure out. But like he's going to be stepping into possibly the most loaded wide receiver room in college football. Like, oh yeah, yeah, he'll be good. <laughs> Like, right. I mean, probably two first rounders, right. For maybe two. For two uh, yeah. Yeah. And Olave and, um, I forget the other guy's name, but yeah. Yeah. They're pretty solid. Okay. Well let's, uh, let's end that portion here. I'm glad that you brought that up. It's kind of fun to go through lists and, you know, we can poke holes and stuff, but I'm sure there's stuff that we've said in the past where people could just poke us in the eye over and over again. So it's a good starting point, uh, to start from let's get into the PAC 12, the, the final PAC 12 non-conference schedule. We're doing three more teams and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back going to the last quarter of the Pac-12 non-conference schedule. We're talking UCLA, USC, and Utah this year. Um, and guess what? Guess what, everybody? Um, everybody's passing around BYU as their date yet again. So you're going to have to bear with us as we break down BYU, played Utah and USC. But outside of that, I think there's some really interesting games in all of these here. Rob, where do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because, I mean, USC, of course, you have, well, you have BYU. And then but you have their, you know, their annual tilt with Notre Dame. You know, Utah, I don't think they have any. I mean, you have BYU and San Diego State. But the real headline interesting game is in Westwood. You know it. The Tigers coming to town, bringing 70,000 mad purple fans. They're going to be drinking on Monday all the way through Saturday. And, uh, and it, it, yeah, let's start with UCLA. Before that, though. Can, can, they, that, can that parking lot golf course handle that many LSU fans? I would I would argue or ask the question, can all of those um, – very comfortable residents of Pasadena handle the swarm <laughs> those, of Baton Rouge. <laughs> those Pasadena bungalows. Can uh, yeah, there's not going to be enough parking for the, the entire state of Louisiana to come into Pasadena, but uh, that should be a really fun game. You know, one of the things with UCLA, Rob, who's number 18 in Beta Rank in the preseason, they have one of those week zero games against Hawaii. And I was pretty excited about this when I first saw it on um, pop up. It's like, oh, UCLA's going to Hawaii to play the Rainbow Warriors. They're not, alas. They have them at home. Uh, because that Hawaii at-home game is just brutal for whoever gets there in that Week Zero game. And everybody wants to go there because they play Hawaii. But they play pretty well at home. And I'm curious to see what Todd Graham does uh, when he has to travel to Pasadena here to take on the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup. But, I mean, Arizona, or not Arizona, UCLA is pretty heavily favored in this game. Um 17 points and, you know, 17 and a half in beta rank, 91% win probability. I mean, Hawaii projects at number 89. UCLA projects to be pretty good in beta rank at, at number 18 overall. You know, this, I I mean, if if they don't turn the ball over two times, this shouldn't be that close. Um, and I would expect that they should be able to run the ball pretty effectively against this Hawaii defense. And as we know from having had some, having lived the Todd Graham experience before in the Pac-12, I mean, Hawaii is going to bring some heat on defense. Um, now, whether whether that turns into a lot of UCLA big plays, we'll see. Now, you, Baderink has this at 18. Oh, you know the one thing, and, and I'll bring this up as we're talking, Rob, is the lines for the week one games did come out. So I'm And I think this game was pretty close to what you had. I want to say it was at 16 here. But yep. that, that's the I think that's really something to keep an eye on when we're looking at this is can they keep DTR uncomfortable? And I think yep. that that answer is normally yes. <laughs> right. Like, right. I mean, if, if they can put pressure on DTR, but I mean, the, I, I think the real question, though, is can they step up? I mean, they were Hawaii really struggled to stop the run last season. They were 99 and effective rush are they going to be able to slow down the running game enough to actually make DTR uncomfortable or are they going to have to bring down some safeties to help stop the run game and then end up getting burned by the tight end? Yeah. 
So I think this is actually from William Hill. So Max, uh, Max would be very excited that we pulled this from them. The opening line is 14, which I think is more fair. I think I thought 18 was, you know, if it was 18, I would, I would think about putting some on, on Hawaii. It's the defense that I'm most worried about <laughs> because you're right. If, if UCLA can run all over them and it's, it's quite possible that that's the case. Um, then they just pull the game away, right? Like it's a possession yeah. game. And, and the thing with Chip Kelly is, you know, it, it's not the explosive offense that you're used to at Oregon, but it can be in terms of they can have some explosive plays, particularly with Dulcich and like just throwing to the tight ends. There's There are those big chunk plays that they're going to be able to get. So if they're controlling the ball and then you add a couple of those plays in, I mean, it could be pretty nasty, um, which is so weird. Like I'm not as I'm not as high in UCLA this year, but this is such a good barometer game for them because, you know, Hawaii's going to have some size and they're going to have a competent coach. And it's just, you know, if they if they keep yeah. it close, um, I don't think that's as much of a sign on Hawaii as, all right, maybe UCLA isn't quite where we thought that they were or where a lot of people thought they were, because I just still don't trust that team yet. Yeah, I mean, the, the real barometer is going to be the next week, right? I mean, I, UCLA, I mean, it's it's going to be hard, even if they struggle to, to feel like you get a real, real good handle on them because it's it's week one anyway. But I mean, there are some things I want to see, right? Like I want to see if the, if they are able to run the ball, they were, they were a turn a ton, but as you alluded to, I mean, Norwood, the addition that they brought in on the defensive staff from Navy last year really helped them out quite a bit. Um, and that defense appeared to take a bit of a step forward. Now we're not, they were not among the very best power five defenses in college football. They were number 48 overall. That's a huge improvement from where they were. I mean, they return a lot. So if they, if they're able to return a lot again um, and stay effective against the run, you know, like uh, as they were last season, maybe clean up a little bit of their past defense. I, I think that they, they, they should be, they UCLA has a chance to meet these expectations because I really do think the offense is kind of starting to click under Kelly. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to be like a top five offense, but I think they certainly have an opportunity this year to be a top 15 offense. Yeah, and they're going to need that, right, if they're going to play LSU the next week. The one thing they have going for them is, you know, they get the kinks out a little bit with that Week 0 game. So I was yeah. I was curious at the line because Baderank has that game against LSU at uh, plus 3. And, you know, you're close, man. Like, Baderank is legit because the opening line <laughs> for LSU is minus 4. And a lot of people that are national writers just say, oh, jump on that, right, as an SEC team against LSU. I actually saw the cover three guys say that, which is interesting because they follow football a lot. But uh, I think the the opening week, being able to kind of get those the wiggles out, right, for yeah. UCLA, plus they have them at home. Plus LSU fired Bo Pelini. They have a new defensive system. I think they have a new offensive coordinator too, if I'm not mistaken. They do. Um, yeah. That's a lot to work out against like a fairly competent team at home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, LSU had a pretty good size collapse last season. The defense ended out, ended up <clears throat> settling down a little bit, but they really missed having Derek Stingley in particular. He's back. I mean, he was not eligible for the pros. Um, he just opted out last year. So he's, he's back for his junior year. Um, you know, arguably, I mean, should have won the Thorpe award as a freshman, you know, so I, I expect the past defense to be a lot better. They have a new defensive coordinator. He was a, he wasn't a coordinator, but he was a position coach for the Vikings and the pros. They also have uh, M. Singer retired. Um, they do have a new play caller in 
Um, and he was, uh, and he worked with, God, why am I forgetting the guy's name that ended up Joe Brady? That's right. Yeah. So he's, you know, they're bringing, they're trying to get back to what they were doing with Joe Brady. Um, and really, I mean, I think if miles Brennan is healthy, it's a, it's a different offense. Um, oh, and the talent's better. I mean, that's the yeah, other thing. I mean, like, I, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, but this is where, you know, UCLA did struggle still a little bit defending the past last season. Um, and they weren't always great at getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, are they going to be able to slow down this, you know, and an LSU passing attack that I would expect to be pretty good, you know, and then you flip it around. I mean, I, I think LSU defensively has a shot to be really good. Certainly just incredible talent on the field. I mean, the, you know, the, we joke around about Chip Kelly's recruiting uh, LSU, despite what happened last year, <laughs> they don't take, there are no breaks in LSU recruiting. Um, you know, that's, uh, I, I think this could be a close game. Um, you know, and certainly being at home, I think helps UCLA significantly. Um, but also, I mean, like LSU's collapse was so significant last year. It does, it does make it hard to really figure. I mean, we have LSU projected at number eight overall coming into this year. There's certainly some wiggle room around that. I mean, just as much maybe as you might say about UCLA. Oh, Vegas is dangling that four. That's the problem. Like, cause the more I talk about this and UCLA doesn't have a dig anymore. So, I mean, he was just such a force on that line oh, yeah. pushing people away. And I think he was a really massive piece of that defense. And yes, the defense was more aggressive and they were finally able to, to cause a little bit of havoc, but without him, I'm just curious to see. It's not like Kelly has really been bringing in even four-star players. It's been a lot. I mean, this is really going to be a team effort. You know, we, <laughs> I just watched like the euros, right. And like, um, yeah they need to be like Italy, right? Like just straight team uh, and good coaching and good play calling and a couple, a couple of good players on there. But I don't know, man, like the more I talk about it, the more I talk myself into LSU, but the fact that Vegas is just like, come on in, come on in the water. Like, here's some cheese. Like just, just take the cheese, Brian, take the cheese minus four. That, that does make me a little bit nervous, but sometimes those week one lines are just off and it takes Vegas a week or two to catch up. I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, it's really good. I mean, another thing to watch out in this game is UCLA's had pretty good special teams at a top 10 special teams unit last year. They're going to need to to win some hidden yards to to be able to hang in this game. But really, I mean, I think this is close enough. I mean, if, if LSU were to finish minus, you know, one or two on turnovers, like UCLA has a shot to win. Yeah, oh, definitely. And then after that, they have Fresno State. One of the Jakes, Rob, playing one of the Jakes. Um, Jake Hayner. Yeah, rated, rated rated a lot higher than a lot of Pac-12 quarterbacks by Pro Football Focus. Jake Hayner. That's true. That is very true. He and he and other Jake, right? Or who who's the? There's going to be a Washington uh, former. Uh, I don't want to say alumni because they didn't they didn't graduate there, but like a Washington commitment homecoming between two Washington yes. quarterbacks. Oh, that's right. There's the other um, quarterback. He's it, eligible. Yeah, but they moved. I think they moved him to wide receiver. But yeah, his name escapes me. No, also. they got another one. They got two transfers from Washington. Oh, look at that! They can get together and go bowling afterwards. That that'll be fun. Man, so hard to keep track of all this. Ethan Garbers, that's who. That's Ethan it. Garbers is yeah. Man, either either scout.com sucks, or um, or Washington doesn't know how to to, to scout quarterbacks. Did you not, like, develop yeah. scout and develop quarterbacks? Four like they have like four four star quarterbacks that are no longer there, um, and they started Dylan Morris. So here we are. Um, hopefully Morris puts it together. So Fresno State, Rob, uh, 
Baderank has this game as a as a 19 point favorite in in terms of UCLA. Uh, that that makes me think that Fresno State is not very good. Although they have an interesting coach now. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer. I really like their coach. Um, he was the offensive coordinator at Indiana. Um, took this job. I think he's still got a little bit of an uphill battle uh, in getting the Bulldogs back to sort of Pat Hill top level respectability. But I do think that the offense has a chance to really improve on where they were. They were at 75 overall last year, but a real positive for number their number for them last year was they were 41 an effective pass. The defense could really hurt them in this game. They were a 103 in, in beta rank overall. They were a 109 an effective rush. That's definitely not a number you want to have facing UCLA. No, not at all. Um, so hopefully, I mean, there there is a world where UCLA goes three and zero. It heads into the non-conference schedule, but I just, or it heads into the conference play, but I don't know. That LSU game is, is a little rough. The LSU game is rough, but I don't think UCLA is so far off that it's going to require like a four turnover performance from LSU. Like, I think if UCLA gets a little lucky, they, they could walk out with a win. Okay. Let's move over to USC here or anything else you got in UCLA. No, that's, that, that's it. They, 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 they're, they're nice. They have 12 games all against FBS opponents. Huzzah. Uh, and you know who else does USC didn't one year, didn't they almost take on an FCF school and like the fan base flipped their lid, which they should have. Did they, did they change that policy? They did. Well, they, they dropped that game. Um, the USC, UCLA and God, one other. Is it Notre Dame? It might be Notre Dame had never played an FCS school. God bless them. Yep. I mean, they've played Arizona, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona last year would have finished dead last in the FCS. <laughs> um, San Jose State at Notre Dame. And um, and, and they, they also play Utah's awkward second cousin, BYU. The San Jose State, I would look at that this line, Rob, minus six. Baderang. Woo! Yeah. Baderang's got it at eight. Yeah, this is a this is a good one, and um, San Jose State is was a you know a, a really good, really good Mountain West program. I mean, took a big step forward. They did end up losing to Ball State in their bowl game, um, but you know, like they they and and they nearly, you know, Brent Brennan, um, I think has done a really really good job with them. It it is going to be interesting to see because I I don't think I mean USC just is not. I mean, you can always, you can always talk yourself into the talent, right? <laughs> At the USC. Been doing it for just, 36 years, Rob. <laughs> I know. Like you just, they haven't shown up on the field with it. Um, you know, Baderank only has them projected at 25. It's got San Jose state projected at 62. San Jose state finished at 42 last year. Um, you know, a pretty good year. Uh, and they, you know, they, they're a very effective passing attack. Number 16, an effective pass. Uh, you know, for the Spartans, um, the defense and, you know, grain of salt a little bit because of the weird year data wise overall, but finished at 35, they were a lot better against the run than they were against the pass, which doesn't necessarily bode well when you're about to play USC. But, you know, like we've, I feel like we always talk about with USC is they, and we just talked about earlier on the pod, you know, they're going to run the ball despite the fact they're not very good at it. So uh, I apologize. I said that Baderank had it at six. They have it at eight. The line yeah. in this game, the opening line is 16 and a half. So there's a big discrepancy there. Again, like, like that Rob- feels odd to me. Like you have to talk yourself into USC's talent because 
Man, San Jose State was was pretty good last year. They return a decent amount. They're now compared to like a nor like in a normal year, their amount of production returning would look better. But they're returning sixty seven percent overall, sixty percent of their offense, seventy four percent of their defense. I'm curious about their quarterback. And is their coach still there? I know he was up for a job at Arizona before they hired Fish. Did did he end up bouncing anywhere else? No, no, he, he ended up staying. But that's a good question. Let me. That'd be the key, right? Because if they can sling the ball around, if he's gone. Oh then... no, he's back. Oh, okay. okay. Nick Starkle is back, and he was pretty good. Hmm. Okay. I'll keep an eye on that. <laughs> just, it feels it feels like people have talked. Like I'm not saying like Baderang might be underrating the Trojans a bit. You can talk me into ten points, but like sixteen feels like a lot for a pretty decent San Jose State program. Okay. All right. We'll keep our eye on that one. We'll keep our eye there. Um, and, and I have moved already. I'm curious to see what the Sharps did on that, uh, to whether they brought it down or kept it there. We'll keep it. We'll keep an eye on there. By the way, we'll break down all these games on, you know, week one. We always go through all of them and stuff, but we're just trying to get a head start this time. October 23rd. So this goes throughout the season um, at Notre Dame, Rob. It's a pick em, is what Bader Inc. has it right now. Number 25, yep. Arizona against number 24, Notre Dame. And that's going to be a heck of a game. It is. I mean, the, the Irish lose a lot. Um, they are at number 126 in returning production. Um, they've only got 44% coming back on offense, 53 coming back on defense. Notre Dame was a little bit of a paper tiger last year. Um, you know, in record versus advanced stats, uh, you know, beta rank certainly would not have put Notre Dame in the playoff. Um, you know, they finished at 17 overall last year. Uh, they were at number 18 offensively and they, they really had their struggles. They really struggled to throw the ball. Number 43 in effective pass last season. Um, defense was fairly balanced. I, I love the defensive coordinator that they got. They got uh, Marcus Freeman since, uh, from Cincinnati to replace Clark Lee. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that's going to be, uh, the defense has a shot to still be pretty good again, but I mean, I, I think, you know, that by the time this game rolls around, cause it's, Later, I mean, it's not going to be until nearly the end of October. We'll have a real good idea who these two teams are by the time this game gets played. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, I would give, I mean, I, I, maybe, it, maybe it does feel fair that it's a bit of a toss up, right? That, I mean, I would give USC an advantage on offense. Um, I would certainly take Marcus Freeman over Todd Orlando. <laughs> and, and I think, and I do think Notre Dame's done a better job developing defensive players than USC has done of late. Yeah, I think one of the things that Notre Dame gets a bad rap for is, oh, they're not that good. It's a good program. They're just not Alabama, yeah. Oklahoma, right. yeah. you know, Ohio State, or Clemson. <laughs> like, so this is a top-notch program. The one thing to keep in mind is, let's say Notre Dame just goes, just just gets on fire. And they start blowing out teams and they play USC and you see, you know, USC drops a game against like San Jose state or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but like, you know, it's a, a team in general. Well, they've got Utah, you know, the, they have, they have a buy before Notre Dame, but they have Utah before that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good that they have a buy. One of the things that Max has said a couple years in a row and has made me, you know, like it's put me in the positive here is that Notre Dame just does not, does not play teams. Like they, they don't play to blow out teams like Kelly's going to play his offense and do what he's going to do. 
and and like if the other team he's playing is awful then they'll win by a lot but if it's a team that's you know fairly talented that's going to be a close game so if that line you know opens seven or ten or something like that which which it probably won't but if it does keep a lookout for that because that's a that's a pretty interesting uh, and tasty endeavor to participate in anything else on notre dame no, no, I think I think we've covered the. I mean, I've already taken. I've I've done my Notre Dame preview and have lots of very angry Notre Dame fans. That oh, I really? Oh, I guess yeah. 20, oh, yeah. Then because yeah. I, I have Notre Dame projected at twenty four, and I also like make no bones about like, you know, if your if your aspirations are to win national titles, like it's pretty fair to ask if Brian Kelly's ever going to get you there. Yeah, that's true. He's good. He's very good but he's not going to win your national title. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. Plus the, I think it's a little bit more difficult to get into Notre Dame. So they, they, there are some restrictions on yeah. recruiting and all that stuff. Um, speaking of restrictions, let's talk about BYU here. <laughs> so number 34, Baderick has this game uh, at USC two and a half. And we've talked about BYU at nauseam. Uh, anything else, you know, anything you want to mention here? Because we'll, we'll talk about them. They place uh, Utah in, in the game. Utah's won like 7,000 times in a row. Yeah. I mean, I think USC is going to be, you know, more of a favorite here than this two and a half by the time that this rolls around. Um, you know, I think BYU is benefiting a bit from, you know, the weird year and the data a little bit in, in this projection. They're at 130 um, in returning production this year. I mean, just just returning, not a, not a lot. I mean, 31% of the offense, 47% of the defense. No, I'm sorry. 47% of the offense, 16% of the defense. Um, you have a new offensive play caller. Jeff Grimes is off to be the offensive coordinator at Baylor. Um, I just don't, I mean, I have, a, there's just so many moving parts. Um, I mean, I have BYU fans like trying to like talk me into like, this is the best talent we've ever had. We've got the Nakua brothers, blah, blah, blah. And I just, <laughs> like, listen, man, like if you're replacing near dang near everyone and you've got a new OC, if you're going to start out your argument to me that like, we're definitely going to be better than this last year when we had the I think Max, you know, I think their quarterback was taken second overall in the draft. Like just get out. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's uh, not credible. And they, they beat USC last year, right? They beat him at home or was that two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. But I, just, I, I've, I mean, I think I, I think BYU will be pretty good. I think they probably end up finishing maybe closer to forty than they do in thirty. I think you can talk yourself into some upside with USC because yeah. I think Orlando continues to make strides on the defense. Maybe Harrell stops running the ball so dang much, um, and USC, you know, cracks the offensive code a little bit. Oh yeah, we're we're both thinking the same thing. I wasn't thinking that BYU would knock them off. Yeah, again. yeah. They got them at home. They're not in altitude, all that stuff. So, okay, yeah, that'd be a fun game to watch. Uh, let's get to Utah, and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. Rob, Utah has been planning for this game for almost a whole year, and they've circled it on their schedule, and that is the showdown at you know the Holy War. Well, I was going to talk about Weber State, but if you want to, talk oh no, about oh yeah, the other Holy War, right? They got an FCS the other, game the other big in conference rival. Rival. <laughs> um, I, I guess with Weber State, we should. What What do you want to see? You know, we're not going to we're not going to cap this game, and we we probably won't cap it. Um, when I may Max not even on. watch it, to be honest. How dare you, sir? 
I I think the last time they played Weber State, I actually watched some of it, and I was like, "Why am I doing this to myself? This is <laughs> come on, this is Thursday night football, Rob. You got You know you're gonna you're gonna tune in a little bit. As long as we put football in air quotes, then you got a deal. Watching Utah's defense just manhandle Weber State, like I I, I could do without. Yeah, I mean, like, how many points does Weber State get? They get seven. Right. That's probably yeah. the that's the bet. I, I just want to see what Connor Brewer does. Is he gonna just is he gonna yeah. sling it? Is it or is he gonna be pretty conservative and throw it to the tight ends and stuff? Which is probably what he's gonna do. But I'm just curious to see what Ludwig does with him and uh if if he's able to do anything more creative. I know that one of the problems last year was that the offensive line has been kind of a mess the last couple of years. And Ludwig has done a lot of stuff with like pre-snap motion. So he's moving people around and he's trying to like start to get people away from where the problems are. And right. one of the things that was interesting, credit to Hippolyte, he had talked about that All-American Juco player coming in. And, you know, a lot of Utah fans were pretty excited about him and he's gone. So like, you know, he got pulled like in the middle of his first game as just not being prepared. And, uh, and, and he still isn't. So uh, that's not to say like, you know, I think the line, I would assume will approve a little bit, right? They, a lot of continuity there, but certainly right. not, um, you know, the, the bigger, the bigger question is going to be against BYU where there's right. going to be some bodies and, and that defense tends to be fairly, uh, uh massive. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. Sometimes they're not good, but then they have some, some meat on there, but anything else you'd be looking for at, at Weber state? No, I mean, I really, I think to your point, I want to see what the offense looks like in sort of scrimmage conditions, you know, I, I, I do think Ludwig, I don't think he's, we've talked about it. I don't think he's a great offensive coordinator, but he's good. You know, he's a good power five offensive coordinator. I think he does find ways to try to, to, to work around and work with what he's got. So, um, I think, I think Burr, I mean, <clears throat> good Lord. I mean, it could, you feel like it just could not have gotten any worse last season with the way Bentley played. So, yeah. And throw to an outside receiver now and then. You know, yeah. <laughs> let's try that. No, don't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to BYU here. The, look, Utah's won this game. Is it eight, is eight years running? Nine years? Seven? It's in between. Oh, and th- there's a lot of, I mean, because like BYU, of course, had like the big year last year, but they didn't play the Utes. And oh, yeah. there's a, like, and I, I know you follow a lot of Utah fans. I also know a few BYU fans. And there's, there's some real salt that despite the fact they didn't play each other last season, there's a lot of real salt going right now in this rivalry. Now it'd be interesting to see what happens. Oftentimes this game is, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm saying oftentimes the last couple of times I've watched the game, it's been like pretty interesting. I want to see this offense. I just do. I want to see if they're going to be able to move the ball. Um, you know, th- this is Bader and Kez's game as a, as Utah being a six point favorite. And, you know, it seems if BYU is starting to, you know, I'm curious about their quarterback. That's the one thing we haven't talked about. Um, I think pro football focus had him as like the 49th ranked. Do you know anything about the BYU quarterback? Uh, I mean, when I previewed them, I mean, it's basically, they've got, they've got some decent talent, but you know, I mean, it is, it is sort of hard to talk yourself into, where's that? Yeah. Jaron Hall. They have Jaron Hall as your projected starter, you know, at number 49. He's there, you could talk yourself into it. I'm less sold on Samson Nakua, but Puka Nakua, sure, that should be a, an improvement talent-wise over what they've been doing at wide receiver. 
you know, their, their new offensive coordinator was on staff. He was the, the passing game coordinator. So there, there's a shot for them to be pretty good. But I mean, I, I think this Utah defense is going to be really good and, and they get to play them early. And that, yeah. I think it's going to be tough for BYU. Yeah. That defense is going to be filthy. I'm, and I'm not a fan of Saints and Nakua. I'm sure he's, I'm probably a fan of him personally, like would love to, you know, throw back eight shots yeah. with him at a bar, but uh, I just don't think, I, I just didn't I don't see think, anything. I don't think he's going to do shots with you. I think they, they transferred to BYU for religious reasons as well. Oh, well, you know, um, <laughs> I, I could be a bad influence. <laughs> uh, Puka Nakua, like you mentioned, on the other hand, I think is pretty explosive. So be interesting to see if, Sam, if Samson Nakua starts, I think that's more indicative of BYU's depth at wide receiver, but yeah. oh man, I'd love to see Puka Nakua just go. I'd love to see Samson do it too, but I just think Puka has the. I've just seen him play, and I'm like that. That guy's gonna be good. So kind of a big loss for Washington, but a big pickup for BYU. Last, game, I want to see in this game. I, I do think BYU has done a pretty good job in their offensive line coaching. Um, Utah, I think, could be very, very good defensively, but I still think they need to have a bit of a pass rusher emerge. Um, so that's, uh, that's something I'm going to really keep an eye on in this game is, you know, the Utah pass rush. Okay. Maybe the under in this game is probably where to go. <laughs> it feels like, it, it feels like a Utah, Utah's reverting back to like, eh, just take the under. <laughs> well, I, I just feel like there's good, there will be pressure to be had in that backfield yeah. uh, of Utah's and, and this game's at BYU. So I just I feel like this is going to be like a 17 to 10 type uh, engagement. Last game is against San Diego State and Los Angeles, Rob. I think that's interesting. Playing at like uh, the SoFi Stadium or whatever. You, you use SoFi? No. Wait a minute. They're playing this at – it's a home game for San – because in the schedule file I got – really? I think I had it at Los Angeles. No, no. This is at Dignity Health Sports Park. That is in Carson, California? Oh, this is at the soccer stadium. Okay, here we go. There's an article explaining what's going on. 2021 home football games will be played in the soccer stadium in Carson, California. And then they are planning on opening up the new on-campus stadium next year. That is bananas that it is. They're like, hey, where could we even find a uh, how? No, no. I mean... Like Tijuana is closer. Like they should play Mexico. That's not even in like the near side. Like that is so far away. Yeah, that is outrageous. I wonder if they're flying. Like I mean, I would because that that drive sucks, especially traffic both ways. Like they might as well play in Mexico um, because it'd be a lot closer to where they are. It might be a bigger stadium too. Yeah, and they'd have more fans. (laughs) Like. Oh man. And do you know, Oh my God, that is a nice stadium. Okay. So club Tijuana plays in a stadio caliente. How awesome is that? The hot stadium. <laughs> That's tight. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it only seats 27,000, but still it's the estadio caliente. Come on. Like that is, and that is vastly closer to the school that would be oh so cool could you imagine like byu or like notre dame or uh or, or even lsu just going down to tijuana <laughs> like it's just it's such a bizarre <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be awesome or hawaii a bunch of pacific islanders just <laughs> watching so, so utah gets an extra trip to la this year oh oh that's that's interesting okay good for that they've got you they, they're playing they're coming through to play usc too and then they got UCLA at home, but 
Utah gets two trips to, to LA this year. Interesting. Hmm. This could be a total rock fight. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> San Diego State's going to score like five points. It's going to be like a field goal and a <laughs> yeah, safety. <they're>, yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the over on number of safeties in this game? Oh. Um, yeah, because I mean, San Diego State, and again, a bit of a weird year, but this some of this is a carryover from the way they finished under Rocky Long. 106 on offense last season, number 14 on defense. I still expect them to have a pretty good defense. Um, and if you're not ready for that Rocky Long 335, it can cause you problems. And then they've just got just a just a just an unwatchable offense. And they get the Utah defense. That should be a hoot. <laughs> So oftentimes we try to divvy up who watches which games, and this is definitely going to be the last stunt. Like you know, whoever whoever's in the doghouse has to watch this one. This better like there like all I got to say for like for this game is that it just better be on at a point. Oh no, like this could be on like some this could be on like CBS Sports Network, which I don't get. So like I would have to like drive to a sports bar to watch. <laughs> Uh, I hope it's on at like, you know, it's the nightcap. It, it either has to be a 2 p.m. game on CBS Sports or like a 9.30 p.m. game on CBS Sports. There can't be any in between there. I mean, I think I think Utah's going to win this game. I mean, we, I've got them favored by, you know, 16 and a half. And I think that's pretty fair, you know. I mean, we and that's it's not like we have San Diego State projected as some horrendous Mountain West team. I mean, they're projected to be decent in the Mountain West. It's just there's there's just such a big gap between where we have utah well have fun in los angeles holy goodness like i hope they <laughs> helicopter that team onto the field because it's gonna be a pain in the <laughs> ass to get to <laughs> uh anything else rob no i mean that's interesting because actually like utah could have like a lot more fans at that game oh yeah um don't go to that game utah fans unless you live there <laughs> Like it's not worth it. Like Carson, if you're gonna go to an LA game. Like go to the game at the Coliseum. Yeah, as you say, Carson is not Los Angeles. Carson is um, the the traffic plagued industrial suburb. <laughs> like I don't even know if you can call it a suburb of Los Angeles. Like when they said they were building the a stadium in Carson, like oh yeah, that I guess that makes sense. Like they probably clear a a rock mining you know track or something. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, let's let's leave it there, Rob. Anything else to plug on Sharp College Football? You're going through the top 50. Anything else? No, no. I mean, I'm excited. Like, I am super excited for, you know, this coming season, like a regular college football season. I'm getting excited. I might I might have to buy just in order to make sure and get, like, pay sticker price for that Oregon-Ohio State game. I might have to buy those game packs because they still haven't put – and they're not going to put to like the last minute, like single game tickets available. Duly noted, duly noted. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. We will catch you next week. We're going through, there's a lot of stuff we can cover. We still have to do our previews. The season win totals have come out. The first lines, opening lines of week one have come out. So a lot of stuff to cover and we are cruising. I mean, I think I've started to get other podcasts from national, you know, uh, sites that are doing their previews of each conference and stuff. So we're getting close. So stay tuned. We'll continue coming at you and we will catch you next week.